Welcome back, everybody. Today, we're going to be talking about one of the fastest growing emerging markets globally, but definitely here in the U.S. We're going to be talking with Harry Kazazian. He's the CEO of 22Red. It's a California-based cannabis lifestyle company uh, with operations in uh, both Nevada and Arizona. So I'm excited to have him on the show to talk about what's happening in, with cannabis. Uh, some of you guys know that I've invested quite a bit in cannabis. I, I uh, am following and uh, holding several cannabis-related stocks. Uh, and again, today we're going to be talking about uh, 22 Red is the brand name. Harry Kazazian is the CEO uh, he's going to bring us up to date what's happening in the cannabis industry, and then we're going to get into uh, some uh, uh, business conversation as well. Uh, I'm excited to have him on the show. Harry Kazazian, welcome. Hey, thank you very much, Bert. I really appreciate the warm introduction and uh, want to say hello to all your listeners. And yeah, it's uh, really exciting times, you know, considering everything that's going on in the world today. Uh I would say that uh, as everybody's probably listening in, let's just tell you that everybody's life's been affected by COVID lately and, and the election and the whole uh, feels like the world is almost going to end. But one thing that keeps trucking away is uh, the marijuana industry is still, you know, moving forward and working through it as everybody will tell you the two things, you know, uh, that did well through COVID is still cannabis. I think when people are stressed, it is a form of relief. Sure. Uh, you know, having a drink and uh, or a smoke or whatever people feel that it makes them relax. And really, that's what it's all about, right? It's 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 to enhance everybody's life, and uh, and that's why we're excited to be part of it. Well, and, and what's interesting too is, uh, you know, cannabis has been around for a very long time, and because the federal government kind of put a, a taboo on it, uh, it hasn't been researched uh, as well as it could have been, right? And interestingly enough, I read an article not too long ago, and I think there's even a documentary uh, about uh, Nixon and his staff doing research on the benefits of cannabis, benefits of marijuana. And, you know, they found that it was uh, non-addictive and, and that it had all these uh, medicinal benefits, but yet they decided to use it as a way to control. Uh, in this documentary article, uh, he outlawed it because he wanted to control minorities, which is what, again, the article talked about. Uh, so I, I found that interesting, but I think that, uh, it, you know, the it, it's been this this very long uphill battle to, uh, to get cannabis approved legally or to legalize uh, marijuana. And, and, and I think, you know, we still have a little ways to go. I, I can't remember, is it like 30 states that approved marijuana for both recreational and medical use? Is, are we up to 30 or 36? I think, it's close to that. I think it's there and then, you know, one way or another. And then there's a bunch that are still teeing up for it to become recreationally legal as well or medicinally so yeah. yeah i think i think the bus has left the train you know it's like the trains left 
the station there. Station and right now it's 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 there's no putting it back. And this isn't even a political issue. I mean, look, Oklahoma's as red state as you can get. Uh, they've legalized it. Mississippi's as red state as you can get. They've legalized it. So I don't think that. I think it's. Uh, I think all my Republican friends like to smoke it as well as my Democrat friends. So I would tell you, this is becoming. It's the best thing to do. Is you don't want it to be a political thing. I think it's. It should be bigger than that. And that's one of the issues that I try to do is people that don't necessarily agree with me. I try to convince them that to explain that why this is what it is. And, you know, something you were talking about, like alcohol was illegal. Yes. Okay. And and, and, and studies come out now that wine is good for your, and even some alcohol is good for your blood flow and helps. So prevent heart attacks. So, I mean, that was illegal in the prohibition days. So it just, because I, and I can understand is everything overdone anything you drink too much coke every day you're gonna die of god knows what you know right right anything that's overdone uh is bad for you and i think that everything done within the realm of what it does for you and for you know your mental well-being is good so i really feel that it's been it's really been stigmatized and put in a class of like with other drugs for a while which is ridiculous you can't put this with in the class of some of the drugs that it was labeled in before. Yeah, it, well, you know what? And you look at and you look at some places. Uh, you know, Amsterdam has always been one of those cities that where the this the uh, government kind of regulates all of these drugs. Uh, you know, from from not only cannabis but you know cocaine and heroin and all this stuff is accessible. My point being is, look. Uh, and also to your point is that, uh, you know, when you start abusing anything, whether it's ice cream or, you know, cannabis, it, it could result in some negative stuff. But my, my thinking is this, as humans, we are always looking to, you know, to what do you call it, to maybe relax or change the way we feel, whether it's alcohol or cannabis or food or drink or whatever you you know you can't uh you cannot control human nature as much as people want right i mean uh you know the, the what do you call it um i remember back in the day when when they uh in, they uh, passed the seatbelt laws and i was one of those individuals i'm not going to wear my seatbelt i haven't worn my seatbelt ever and of course, after you get one or two tickets, you know, maybe I'll wear my seatbelts now. <laughs> so, so you can, to, to an extent, legislate some, legislate some behavior. Um, now we're all wearing masks because we're trying to, to collectively uh, control this pandemic. But my point being, uh, back to the alcohol, look, even though it was illegal, people were still getting their hands on alcohol. Uh, people are going to do what people want to do. And so you can either... Uh, can you know? I guess uh, join it, legislate it, or I mean, regulate it to an extent. But we're human, and we're always going to do whatever whatever we want, no matter what the law is, because we're human. There's going to be a certain percentage of these people that are going to do whatever they want. And I think back to what you're saying with marijuana. It, it, it they worked really hard. They, being the government, worked really hard to stigmatize it. Uh, I remember back in elementary school watching that movie reefer madness and even back then it was so over the top stupid 
uh, that uh, even at, at the elementary le uh, level, we thought it was uh, dumb. And interestingly enough, most of my friends were like, we should try that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you know, it's funny you say that. Uh, and you brought up Amsterdam, but so, Tony Thread, we, we've collaborated, Shabo, uh, one of the founding members that was one of the founders of 22 Red, who's in the music industry, uh, one of the biggest rock bands, System of a Down. Uh, when they were touring Amsterdam, he used to go to all the, he used to love going to Amsterdam. That was his thing. When they go to Europe, they couldn't, they had that date marked on their calendar. They used to tell their tour manager, tour man, you book a tour there because if we go to Europe, if you don't do Amsterdam show, we ain't going. All right. That being said, uh, you know, uh, we talked to one of the ones that owns a lot of the coffee shops and they're one of the biggest uh, cannabis, uh, they're called Strain Hunters. They're the ones, if you, you know, you guys could all look them up, but they they go hunting for strains in Africa. One of the founders of that uh, company actually ended up catching malaria and unfortunately passing away in Africa, just chasing the next, looking into strains in the jungles because they're out there in the jungles looking for that new strain that, you know, we've missed. So, and just the other day, Shalo was telling me that he was talking to Jonas and said, Amsterdam's starting to own tour, you know, like outlawing locals from going in to tour. Like they're really stricting up and they're going the other way. Interesting. Instead of what we're doing in California and the rest of this country. And which was really mind boggling because I'm like, man, I just looked at them as like, they're in the forefront, right? But I guess it all goes back to, you know, proper use and so on. I think, uh, I think our industry's gonna, we have the momentum going for us, but I feel like, you know, we have to buckle up and wear your seatbelts, as you say, because we're gonna hit some bumps further down the line. Uh, you know, I was reading an article about like kids, you know, adolescent use is way up and, you know, people are, the being impaired and driving. So what I would really ask your listeners is if you really, you know, you've got to respect the rights you have. Yes. Do it wisely. Do it right. You know, uh, don't be impaired and drive because it's going to jeopardize what, you know, don't give it to minors. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not saying I smoked weed when I was in high school, but, you know, some of the age of really young kids that are, they're saying are now doing it. You know, it's like, we got to be mindful of it. Just because a kid asks you, don't, you know, don't, it's the right time for everything. I wouldn't want my uh, six-year-olds to be drinking and smoking. And I, you know, but I was a 17-year-old. Would I mind? I really, you know, I'll be like, you want to drink? Take a drink, you know? Right. Uh, it, so that's kind of where I'm at. I just want to tell your listeners that let's just not take it for granted where we're at today because, you know, some wrong turns and some stupid people do stupid things and then all of a sudden they want to stigmatize just like you said during Nixon's time we don't want them to roll back the benefits and uh what we have today sure and, and you know what and I think a, a good example of what you're talking about is the stuff with the uh opioid uh uh crisis if you will uh because you had several stupid people and stupid corporations uh, there are a lot of people who who were abusing uh, the this uh, yep. legal drug and, and and driving impaired and doing all sorts of stuff that they should not have been doing on both sides, both the the corporate yes. side as well as the user side. 
And so I love what you're saying there about we should all be mindful that, you know, driving impaired, whether no matter what, is never good because you're behind this 2,000, 3,000 pound machine and you're driving and, and you could definitely cause yeah. some damage. Uh, but okay, so let's switch topics here a little bit or, or minds uh, or, or track. And, and I want to talk about 22 Red. So give us your background prior to 22 Red. And, and, and what were you doing prior to 22 Red and how did you get into 22 Red? Uh, my 22 Red is, uh, my background, first of all, is as a CEO of Excel Outdoors, one of the founders, uh, started a company out of my garage. I was playing in a rock band in the 80s and, you know, uh, starving musician is, is a really good understatement, you know? Uh, so I have to get a job, you know, at a certain point you graduate college, you got to get a job. Uh, you know, I was on a six year program and it was just, I was tell, I'll tell listeners, it's, it's funny. Uh, my goal is every time I started a class, just let me just get a seat because who cares if you get a diploma? I felt like if I got a C, it wasn't a D or an F, so it's not bad. Right. But if I got an A and B, that means I was, I was trying a little too hard because I just wanted just enough to get out of school because that's not what I wanted to do. Right. I felt like I'm going to do it in music. And so, so it would be funny. I'm not joking. It would be like when I got my grades, I, I, I'd be like, if I had a B, I'd be like, man, I was, you know, I must have done I mean, it wasn't like I was upset, but it was like, man, you that teacher didn't grade me right away because I was always just trying to do what I can just to get that C, because I wanted to be, so I was really that average student, uh, all through high school, all the way through. Uh, so started a business out of the garage and, you know, uh, rolled it up to where, you know, companies north of 150 million in annual sales. Uh, you know, I got everything in life that I guess I could dream for. My parents helped me get started. And, you know, at least in my professional career, uh, I was very successful. And so that's, you know, where it was. So I would tell you that I'm a failed musician, uh, but I love it. You know, I look at people that get to do it for a living and make money and I'm envious. Uh, so reason I give you that old failed musician thing, that's really the background of how I met Shavo, one of the founders of System of Down, the singer of the of their band, uh, their multi-platinum award-winning albums and go on and so forth. So when we were doing it, we were auditioning keyboard players and uh, current singer of System, he came down, his name is Serge Tonkin, to audition to play in our band. And we jammed and this and that, and we were playing back then, I remember like, you know, it was Aussie stuff and you know, Dio was really big and, and it was all the dark, uh, dark Aussie was that first album. You know, I think it was Bark at the Moon or whatever that album was. And uh, so after we got done, we, we just, we basically huddled up and said, you know what, that guy's never gonna make it in music. And the reason I say that I was the loser because it didn't make it, he ended up being the lead singer of one of the biggest metal bands, <laughs> iconic, playing in front of 100,000 people. So, you know, all I could say is that you just don't know how the cards are laid out. So fast forward as a failed musician, every time my buddies, I still love going in the studio, listening to music with them as they're making it, 
or uh, whenever I got opportunities when they were touring Europe with friends, hey, you know what, I'll tag along and live vicariously through their, uh, through their moment, you know? Right. And, uh, and that's how I met Chavo, you know? Uh, and Chavo's also was best friends with my nephew. Uh, so we, you know, it was, we're in a circle of friends. So Chavo and, uh, and Mike and Sean, the three of them, and Sean has been in the cannabis trade uh, for north of 20 years in the growing side. So when things were a little bit in the dark side to today, so, because when I say 20 years, people are probably saying, well, I don't know if it was, but Sean's been doing it for 20 years plus. Uh, and he's the best. And so the three of them got together and said, you know what? We should put something together that's music and art. And Mike's, my nephew Mike's in the apparel business and fashion and shovels and music. And he loves smoking cannabis. And Sean, they said, we should start some, you know, lifestyle brand. And so the three of them started 22 Red. Uh, and just like every good idea, I mean, they had everything working right. They launched it. They were doing things, but really none of them have run a business in the, in, and, uh, and they were hitting bumps in the road early on. <clears throat> they needed to raise some capital, put all that stuff together. So they reached out to me and said, Hey, Harry, would you want to join us? You know, would you want to be the fourth partner and, uh, and run the business? Cause you know, all of us have our different things going on. Sean Shabo still goes on tour everything else and you know I looked at it and I said you know what uh I'm good with it I, I, I you know I was excited by it uh because I felt like I was going back to the garage you know uh and that was that's what got me going I always love challenges uh so when I did this I didn't do it for the money uh God's been good to me I've already got things that I would financially rewarded I wasn't looking for another big score or everything else, but, but I really like the idea of doing something today and doing something that can help people doing something that is an industry that nobody knows what's happening, which way it's zigging or zagging. Right. And all that was just everything from my business side, the challenge of like, I'm in the wild West, new frontier, trying to figure it out. It's still a little illegal. So you can still get shot. Right. Uh, so you don't know what, what's going to happen and, you know, whether it's banking and I go on and on all the challenges. So it kind of excited me. And, uh, and I believed in what we were doing, which is creating a lifestyle brand that really championed art. Uh, and that's why I decided to, you know, join 22 red and, and it's been a great adventure since. All right. So, so let me ask you, uh, the name 22 Red, where did they, where, where does that name came from or what does that signify? I think 22 was, it's, 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 Sean was born on the 22nd. Uh, his band was signed on the 22nd. I mean, it, there's just so many significance. His, uh, his two kids, I, I forgot one of the two kids, if you add up their dates together, comes in the 22nd. Like it's, <laughs> it's just, I go on and on and on. Uh, that it's just been like 22 has been coming up in his life over and over again. Right. So he felt it connect. He connected with that number. And then the three of them loved red uh, as their color. So, you know, so they went with 22 red and that's where the name was born. It was born from 
uh, three of the guys, as they were saying, what do we do? They wanted something to be personal, right. and it was. Well, and, and the great thing about it is it's uh, very memorable, very easy to remember, and, and very difficult to misspell. So <laughs> that's important. Uh, you know, when, when you're typing on a keyboard uh, or a phone or something, it's, you got to be able to, uh, uh, to be, uh, what do you call it, to be able to spell it. Let, let's talk about uh, what you see happening. I mean, first of all, we have new, a new administration. Uh, President Biden has been in office now uh, a few weeks. Uh, what's your take? Do you think that uh, uh, with Biden uh, in the office, is that, is that going to help? the the industry or is it going to hurt it what's your take uh i think it's going to help uh overall because obviously he's pro cannabis and you know if there's two political parties we could agree that one's a little more pro than the other uh about it but i just want to make sure they do it the right way and not try to uh shove it through i mean right now it's very state by state regulated uh, I don't know what would happen if it becomes federally legal because a lot of states are making money on taxable income and they wouldn't want to let it go. Uh, well, let me ask you this, because one of the things uh, uh, that I've heard many times is that the banks uh, are have been uh, very slow to, uh, be, because the banks are federal, and so since cannabis is kind of on a state by state basis, that a lot of banks have not been uh, forthcoming or easy to work with when it comes to to the cannabis money. Have, have you guys found that to be true? Yes, or, or, yes. Okay. it's almost impossible that. to do banking uh, still, though a lot of transactions in this in this industry is done the old fashioned way with greenback. Uh, so I would say yes. So okay, okay, let me so let me ask you that. Okay, so so if you're a mainly a cash business, that's got to be a little bit dangerous because so, you know if all yeah, of a sudden you it's, do we 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 as a company don't we work through everything that we work with we don't work with we work our way out of the cash part okay where we don't but I know that a lot of our distributors and retailers and so on their challenge California's got credit unions and other things that are now changing. Okay. Uh, because they're not federally insured. Uh, so I think still there's ways of things are work, but it's not, but it's still very difficult. I think everybody can find, but again, through credit unions and creative ways uh, of working with one another. But yeah, it's still, it definitely is challenging. And so, yeah, going back to what would happen with this administration, um, I don't know. I think the states are, don't want to let it, it's in a weird way, there's a lot of benefits with the way things are and the states bring in a lot of money. Just think about it. Like some states are cheaper to manu to produce than other states. And then I think the big challenge is going to be, what if they legalize it? Could I send weed from California to New York? You can in other products, but they're not going to, no one's going to like that because people in New York are going to be like, oh man, those California growers are putting us out of business. So, uh, especially with everybody wants to support their local economy. In other words, they want their own local growers. So I think what's happened is this grassroots industry is starting to develop in all these states. And everyone's going to be very territorial. 
Sure. So it sounds funny. So everybody that is for legalizing pot really doesn't want it to get legalized. And then think about it. Look at all the guys, states that aren't legal, you can still get pot. So how about those people that are making? So I, I'm telling you, there's a force that's in the cannabis business that would rather leave it the way it is. Sure. And that makes sense. Look, if I'm a state, Colorado, uh, they went from being a, you know, millions of dollars in, de in deficit, not being able to pay their bills, like most of our governments, to within the first year, they're in the black. And, and they can start paying all their bills, and, and they can improve the roads, and they can improve health care. And, and so I think, you know, the, the, I could see why they they would not want to have to share some of that revenue. Yeah, and, and, it goes, and it goes deeper than that. For example, Colorado, I forgot what the number was, seven, 800 dispensaries. Yeah. A state that's like, you know, go look at the pot. It's really one, one big city, Denver. And, you know, as far as populous state, you wouldn't call it. Well, and then there's states like Florida where they, you know, you can only have a, like, I forgot what it was. You could only get one license, you could go vertical, you could only have so many stores. And then there's other states like Arizona, and only like 10 or it's it's just they limit the retail dispensary. So that each dispensary is like worth a fortune. Right. But in Denver, they're like popcorn. So how do you do it? Right. So I think sorry about that. That's all right. Uh, so really what where, where I'm going with it is it's it's the that's just the dispensaries and how you could have it. Now, so what happens? Anybody could open it. So they're gonna say, Oh, we want to regulate. So every state's some states have too many, way too many, and have to retail shops in Colorado one time or another one out of business because anybody could open one. And the opening of grow was a lot easier. And in other states were very restrictive. They are till today, trying to control how many retail license, who can get it, what they can do. So what I would say that upsets me today is as much as we talk about, you know, some of the restrictions and Nixon and what he did and all that. I think it's the underlying restrictions. Bless you. It's contagious. Uh, it's the, I would say it's the people that are, it's the underlying restrictions and the taxes and the bureaucracy and all these things that have been created. It wasn't why I think it was legalized when it was legalized, it was supposed to be. So it's, you know, all about it. It's all the time. Everything's led is really why somebody came to me and goes, man, I don't get it. Why is pot so expensive in a retail store? I said, because they taxed the crap out of it in four different ways from all the way to A to Z. Now if the feds get in it, they're going to tax it. You know, but the whole idea of legalizing it was to, you know, to make it better and cheaper. And I feel like we're going opposite of what the initial intentions were, was. And that's kind of bothers me because where are we taxing? You know, a lot of people that uh, we're taxing people that really shouldn't be taxed. And that's really why I say it, that I feel like both uh, political parties should get together, but they shouldn't overregulate this and overtax it because all we're doing is pushing it underground again. And right. that's not where we want it. Well, and, and unfortunately, you know, you have, uh, you know, for lack of better terms, you, you, you know, the, especially in Washington, D.C., you have no accountability how the money is used. So if they can bring in more revenue, you know, there's, there's a... There, there will be. If it gets legalized, I promise you, they're, what they're going to say is the same way it was. This is going to generate 
billions of dollars for, and we're going to be able, and then, you know, the some Republicans will say, well, this will be good because we could we could buy more fighter jets, and and some Democrats say, but well, then this will help fund the more uh, homeless and you know green. I mean, bottom line is they both want the money, right? And they're going to like, okay, let's legalize it, and that's their argument they're going to use, and let's tax it. Now we'll have this. Besides all these state tax, we'll have this big government federal tax, and and I wish if they would legalize it without doing that, I guess I'd be a lot happier. But I'm. You know, I'm not optimistic of that. All right, so let me ask you this. Uh, 22 Red, again, uh, you guys are in two states, Nevada and Three, Arizona. California, Nevada, California. and Arizona. So you Colorado. Opened, okay, so you recently opened Nevada and Arizona. Yes. Okay. Last six months. Okay. And, and so uh, what do you guys, what do you guys see in the near future? You've opened up these two states. Uh, are you guys going to have multiple dispensaries? What's the next move for 22 Red? Well, the way we work, because it's state by state regulated, we 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 work with partners in different states, and we look for that business partner that specializes in that state, and then we align with them, and uh, and we make sure that they're able to have the quality products. Uh, CBD, obviously, we could ship through states. Uh, if you go to our website. 22red.com, you can see all our CBD products. So that one you can buy anywhere. So we do that. When it comes to cannabis, uh, we just point you to a local dispensary or, you know, or you can look it up in your state. If you're in Arizona, Nevada, you can find our products. So really that's what we do. And as we expand out, you know, we have a lot of inquiries from a lot of different states right now. And we just really go, we were a little slow about signing on because we want to make sure we get everything right as a brand. And then we'll add, uh, you know, we'll add additional states as we expand. Sure. The goal sure. is to be in every state that is has legal cannabis in medicinal or recreational. Gotcha. So like- uh, it's expanding so- in Canada right now, just so those Canadian followers, we are uh, in talks and negotiations with the Canada. Good. Uh, so, so in California, do you guys operate your own stores or just partner there? No, no, we don't operate our own stores. We work through stores. Okay. All right. Okay. That's cool. That's a, that's an interesting, uh, what do you call it? Model there. Uh, so you partner with existing, uh, dis- distributors or stores, whatever you want to call it. Uh, we start with the grow first. We find the right grow that we could, that would be able to grow our genetics and, uh, sure that they have the right flower we get them the tissue culture and everything else that uh that meets our standards and then we go we put the sales team together and uh you know we open up stores shavo uses his relationships and we do a lot of the make sure we get and we're not only about cannabis either just everybody knows we have music coming out uh we have a tattoo artist that endorses all our art uh we try to make sure that we're more than just cannabis and that's what makes us real. I love it. I love it. All right. Hey, uh, uh, Harry, we're out of time. I, I want to thank you so much for, for stopping by. Uh, and I'd love to bring you back in six months or, you know, whatever, nine months come back. Uh, kind of catch up on what's happening. Cause I bet you in the next six months, nine months, there are going to be some other changes happening in the industry. I'd love to have you. I, I would bet on that. <laughs> All right, man. If you, but if you know, if anybody out there knows what's going to happen, then they're the only one. Right, right. So let's just, 
Let's you know just, something's going to happen. Yeah, you know something. We don't know what. So wear your seatbelts, buckle up, and let's see where this goes, guys. All right. Harry, thank you so much. We'll talk to you later. Thanks, Bye-bye. Bye-bye.